bitch, please. Oh, bitch, please, my ass. You want a sandwich? Dig that. Oh, hell yeah. She's a bad I'm a black man in a white world. I'm a black man in a white world. And if I wasn't a Christian man, I'd probably be kicking in your ass. Hello, and welcome to the latest episode of the JB's Low Tech Podcast. Today we'll be discussing an epidemic that is causing havoc in this country and possibly around the world. But there is hope, and we'll discuss all this and other topics here next on the JB's Low Tech Podcast. Our summers are so short in Minnesota, it can be easy to forget about important safety measures. And when extreme heat is involved, safety is even more critical. Here are a few things to remember to keep you and your loved ones, including your pets, safe and comfortable. One, remember to not leave your pets and kids in your vehicle. Two, always stay hydrated in hot weather. Three, avoid exercise during the hottest times of the day. Four, stay in air conditioning as much as possible. Five, when traveling, stay sky aware. Check the forecast and prepare for unsafe driving conditions, thunderstorms, and tornadoes. High temperatures kill hundreds of people every year, but most heat-related deaths and illnesses are preventable. If we all slow down, take some time, check on our loved ones, and enjoy the beautiful season. I'm Mike Bryant from Bradshaw and Bryant. I hope you're never injured in a collision, but if you are, don't sign anything until you've talked to us. Find Bradshaw and Bryant, personal injury attorneys at minnesotapersonalinjury.com. Bradshaw and Bryant. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the JB's Low Tech Podcast. As I spoke earlier, we'd be discussing an epidemic that's running in this country and probably around the world and uh, solutions and other topics. Uh, today's guest is an activist, motivational speaker, writer, and a man of all trades. He has a book called It's Not a Man's World, and I'd like to introduce to you today L.T. Bourne. How are you doing today, sir? I am doing great, J.B., and it's a pleasure to be on your show today talking about an issue that continues to plague um, um, our communities globally. So I'm so happy that you are raising awareness about this because we, we need to continue to, to shed light on how this continues to have a negative impact on our community. Um, I'm, I'm not going to dive deep. I know you have your questions, but right. I, I just want to, again, say uh, thank you for having me on this platform to talk about uh, the, the fatherless epidemic. Yes, um, it's a topic that um, in many different ways I've had to deal with myself. Uh, I was fortunate 
in the sense my dad was there, was in the home, uh, was a role model. He got up and went to work every day um, right. and played a role in our lives. But I, I grew up with a lot of young men who uh, didn't have that. And my dad yeah. kind of stepped in and played that role for some of them. And I didn't find that out until like we were, my friends were and I were in, in adulthood and ourselves and they would tell me about things my dad would say to him. But, and then I've uh, had uh, other professions where it, it has come up and, um, and it's a big problem. Um, before we really get going, just uh, kind of give a little background into yourself. Uh, what do you? Uh, what is your profession? And um, if you want to talk more about yourself, feel free. Um, sure. Um, I'm currently a probation and parole officer. I've been a probation and parole officer for the past three years, and um, you know, I, I guess you can say that my childhood traumas or experiences uh, led me to this job. Um, you know, uh, having that self-awareness, well, developing that self-awareness early, early on in my 20s allowed me to, uh, you know, uh, choose a career path that would help me to address my trauma and also uh, help other people who's gone through similar experiences. And someone who's listening may ask, well, why would you choose uh, the career of a probation or parole officer? Well, when you look at the prison population, 90% of males um, are fatherless um, um, males, males who came from single-parent households. So, um, if you're if you're uh, if you're if you're an activist for the fatherless epidemic, that's the that's a that's the perfect place to start. Where you 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 get to interact with these males and learn about their stories, you know, learn about um, how they cope with their experiences using wrong methods. And you being a probation and parole officer now. You help them to develop helping coping strategies, and you also assist them with things like mentorship and counseling to address their childhood trauma. So my trauma led me to this career path, and um, it's something that I, I will dedicate the rest of my life to. Um, even when I stop being a probation and parole officer, I do intend to continue on the pathway of, of counseling and therapeutic and therapy um, to help people to overcome their traumas. I mean, it's beautiful when you see somebody walk into your office at day one, um, um, really inside, immersed inside their pain, but then you, you go, you take it week by week, month by week by month, and you, you, you start to see the, the progress, their progress, and you start to see the changes, and that's the most fulfilling part of what I do. Um, so um, I'm really excited to to uh, to be on this career path and, and to see God using my my experiences to help help other people as well. It's interesting you use the term trauma to uh, discuss this topic, and I've never looked at it that way. But I guess it really is because it's something that you know you don't ask for, and it's kind of thrust upon you. Um, so uh, what made you decide to use the term trauma? Um, it, is tra it is traumatic. Um, it is a traumatic experience when you have to raise yourself as a man, um, when you have to figure things out, when you don't have all, those re all the resources at your disposal to um, effectively navigate life. You know, you have to go out there and fend for yourself and put yourself at risk. So uh, the fatherless um, experience is a traumatic one because you have to grow up very early as a child, and that, and that deprives you of your uh, certain developmental things. You know, you, um, you, in some cases, have to become a man at a very young age, and, and, and you know, that, that, that impacts your social skills, 
that impacts the way you interact with people, and, and thus it is a traumatic experience because it, it, it impacts all facets of your life, um, having to go through life without a father. So it, it is trauma, and um, take for instance now, um, most a lot of people who don't have uh, a father, a lot of males, um, they, they, they struggle with validation. Um, um, and then they seek that validation through means of gang affiliations and being people pleasers. Those 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 things um, um, is a detriment to your own self development. You know, being someone who's always seeking validation, not really and truly learning learning and understanding who you are as a person, always having to adjust your personality to fit the mold of others. That that's that's depriving you of your own self-development. So therefore, the childhood, the, the fatherless epidemic is a traumatic one because it, it deprives you of your own self-development and, and, and derails your own uh, uh, progress on this road to life. So that's why I use trauma because I can foresee the issues that comes from it. And there's many things, it's not just one thing, there's many things that happen. Uh, when you don't have your father in the home. So how uh, how does or can one uh, become a man without a father in the household or a role model, may it be? Good, good question. Uh, well, I, I was raised in a very small mid-community, um, so I was fortunate to have friends who... Uh, who had their fathers in the home. It wasn't much, I'll say that. But I had my best friend had his father in the home and he took me under his wing and mentored me. And that in in his mentorship allowed me to understand a lot of things about my manhood and it gave me the confidence to to execute knowing that I have somebody, an older male figure, I can go back to and, and, and get pointers on or get uh, uh, advice from. So, uh, you know, mentorship is, 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 a, is, a, is an important element when you come from a home where you don't have a father. And so um, uh, mentorship is, a, is, is, is key. Um, it, it's, it's, it's a, and there's a lot of places that offer it. You can get it from the churches. There's organizations that specifically cater to mentorship. So if you're a single parent mother listening in and you want your son to have, a, to have the best opportunity of becoming a man, a fully functioning, healthy male, then you should go and, and seek mentorship for your son because that, that is what helped me. That is what kept me on the straight and narrow path, and it, it, it continues to be a very effective tool in, in, in shaping men into, into in shaping boys into the men that they um, they that that um, that they can be. I have a personal, um, like I said, I was fortunate to have my father. Uh, I was married, had a son. Uh, divorced, but the number one goal for me with him was to continue to stay in his life. And as he got older uh, and started getting into sports, I was the person that took him, sometimes was one of his coaches, um, helped him with pets that he had at home, and eventually he moved in with me. But I, I, I just, Amazing. I struggle with how people can walk around and say, yeah, I'm a dad, I'm a father, but then uh, don't do anything in their children's lives. Right, right. And, and, that, and that spawns from the old model of, 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 um, of society, you know, that early 1900s leading all the way up to the 80s of, you know, the patriarch and men being the breadwinners and not really and truly having to focus much on the home. You know, you only have to go out and get the bacon and bring it home, and that's it. That was that was your role. And, and society hasn't moved past that old model. We, we continue to ascribe to that, and, and that's 
reaping a lot of issues as we see today, where even if a child grows up in a household, um, they still don't have that emotional um, attachment to their father because their father um, has this whole this old model of being a macho man and a provider when today's children are growing up with, with a lot more emotional awareness and emotional intelligence compared to older generations um, as a result of, of being um, in front of uh, uh, television and social media all day. So they, the, 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 these, the millennials and onward, they require more of an emotional investment and the old model of parenting for males does not ascribe to that. And thus, we are seeing in today's society, I guess, a, 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 I guess, a, a, how do I say it? We, we are seeing in today's society um, no improvement. Um, even, even though um, two-parent two-parent households has increased slightly, our crimes continue to escalate and, and we continue to have social issues. So, and that's simply because we haven't adopted new models of parenting. And until we do that, we are, we are going to continue to have the social issues that we have today. No government funding, no programs can change that. It, we have to have, we have to have the, the right parenting styles with this generation and, and, and I'm encouraging um, 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 parents listening in that the, I know your mother raised you a certain type of way I know your father raised you a certain type of way but that was to your generation you have to now adopt a new model you cannot you can take a few things from it but if you're talking about progress if you're talking about um, 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 uh, your children being able to relate to you and understand you, you are going to have to adapt to the society or um, the age that we're living in today. And I don't see that a lot. I see parents still trying to enforce on their kids the old model, and, and that's not going to work for this generation. I'm telling you, I've seen it firsthand. Um, you, you, this generation requires a lot of communication, a lot of um, active listening, a lot of um, empathy, um, because they're facing a, a, a different social threat in social media today than, than, any, than any generation has faced. And so they are up against a lot more psychologically than previous generations, and thus we have to be a, a lot more emotionally invested in today's generation of men. Yeah. Um, in my case, um, I have my son. And like I said, my ex-wife and I divorced and she remarried. And 11 years later, after my son was born, she had a daughter. And uh, that young lady's dad stepped out of her life and... Um, uh, long story short, she's now my daughter. So she's 22 years wow. old, about to graduate college herself. And um, it's been one of the greatest things for me um, to have that relationship uh, with her. It's an interesting point that you brought about my son's generation, though. I call it the Y generation because that's their favorite word for everything. <laughs> Was why 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 when right. they were growing up? <laughs> it did. It did. And um, so I totally get what you were saying because uh, everything I would try to discuss with him or tell him or tell him to do or ask him to do or however you want to put it was always met with a why. <laughs> so I totally get that that generation. Uh, um. And then you talked about government interference. Uh, in, uh, very interesting concept in the sense that in this country, in the, six, in the 1960s, there was a ton of government interference into the family, which actually right. caused, in a lot of ways, the separation of the dad from the household. Because when, right. when welfare started, 
and other social programs started, the dad could not be in the home to receive those services. Yeah. Yeah. Indeed. So, what you have any feelings about that? And well, I I can't say much because I uh, I am not American. I'm 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 in the Caribbean, and, and our social <laughs> programs uh, wasn't structured that way. So, there's nothing much I can add to that apart from saying that um, we have to understand our flight as. Afro people, um, it's it's when you have both parents in the household compared to one parent, you have double the resources. Mm-hmm. And if you have double the resources for that child, that child fares better off economically compared to the single parent household child. And as much as we would love to cash in those little welfare jacks and, and whatnot. The short-term gain, the gain is only short-term with, with, with um, dismantling your household to get welfare checks. You fare better off long-term sticking it out with a man inside the home because the psychological benefits, the social benefits will reap much more in the future. So short-term, the, the social benefits, uh, based on the American model, works for the homes. For long term, it will be detrimental to that child. And you have to bear that in mind. Um, I don't know if those programs are still in place. I don't know if they've adjusted it to where they look at income and not the fact that you have two parents in the household. I don't know if the American society has, has adjusted that. If, but if they haven't, I, my, my call for parents is, is to understand that that model will not, will not lift the community up. It will not lift your family out of poverty. Yes, you, have, um, um, you are in the land of opportunity, and you, know, you have uh, a lot of uh, avenues for sports and whatnot. However, if, if you don't have a child that's an athlete and you just have an average child, that child is gonna be at risk to a lot of things um, later on in life if he doesn't have the involvement of his father or his mother. So um, my my call to action is to find ways, man, to stick it out and to raise that child together. And in the long term, the benefit will be much more. Uh, beneficial to our group. Um, I'm talking about an individual who would be emotionally stable, who would have more financial opportunities, who um, would have uh, more resources at his or her disposal to to build or to create um, whatever industries they want to. So that's the goal. That's what we want for our communities. And um, the single parent household thing that we continue to glorify, um, I, I hear it a lot from black women. Oh, I'm a strong black single parent mother. I mean, yeah, I mean, that, that's good for your ego. I, I love that for your ego, but it's not good for our society. And we have to continue to find ways to um, get both parents or a parent-like figure involved inside the home. Uh you had talked about well. Let me first say, in in this country, things have changed. Some, it, but it's depending from state to state. You know, some states will allow the, the father to be in the household, and some states still won't. So it's it's gotten somewhat better, but it's still not fixed. Uh, but you spoke about there's a difference in your country. Can you uh, tell us about how things would go in your country? Um. Well, we don't have um, programs, and in, in, in I'll, I'll say where I'm from as well. I'm from the Turks and Caicos Islands, mm-hmm. um, which, which is um, right off the, the peninsula of Florida. It's about an hour and a half plane ride. Um, but we don't have programs that uh, take into consideration both parents and the household. Um, our programs look at more so the total earnings of the household. 
So if your household is not earning a certain percentage of money, et cetera, et cetera, you would get certain benefits. So our, our programs are structured that way where it, it considers income as opposed to if one, if, if the child has both parents in the home. Um, in the Caribbean, however, um, we continue to be plagued uh, by the fatherless epidemic. Um, and I would love to say I, I have uh, the, the answer as to why it is that way, but I don't have the answer. It's, a, it's multiple reasons why we continue to be plagued by the fatherless epidemic. There was a report released by UNICEF um, in, in the mid-2010s that said that two-thirds of the households in the Caribbean islands are single-parent households. So it's, 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 it's a pandemic also in the Caribbean, and um, we, we don't raise awareness enough about it, but I pray... Um, I, I pray with, with my activism, along with others now who are waking up, that um, by the end of, of, of this, the, this decade, um, we, we would see more people talking about the fatherless epidemic and its impact on our society. Uh, what got you interested in the, uh, the cause of, of, this epi of this epidemic? Can you repeat that? No, I was just Again? saying. Yeah, I can't. Uh, what got you interested in this cause? So I went to university in 2015, and I studied psychology with the hopes of trying, with the hopes of understanding myself and you know why I was struggling with my personal relationships. You know, it was a very selfish reason to study psychology, I know. Yeah. But I, I just wanted to, you know, gain that. Because, you know, in our community, you know, if you go to a, a therapist, they, they automatically label you as crazy. So I, I knew I needed therapy, and I knew I needed some sort of intervention, but I wasn't going to go in my country to it. So I decided to study psychology to really and truly get to the root cause of my whole being and, 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 and psyche. And um, studying it, I, I came to the realization of, of how important it is for parental involvement in the rearing of a child in its developmental stages. And some of the things that happen to a child if one of those parents are not involved. And, you know, I came back home to the Turks and Caicos Islands with all this knowledge inside my head. And I realized, looking around my community, looking at the social ills, I'm like, the reason why we have these social ills is because there are a lot of single parent households. And so I penned my, my book. I, 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 well, I started off journaling, and I turned that journal into a book. And I, and I titled it, It's Not a Man's World, because in, in truth, the world that I was raised in was the world of a woman. And so that's, that's what got me started on my journey. It was, it was, it was a selfish intent in the beginning, but it, it, it generally uh, worked its way out to being something that helped the, the entire community um, and also the world as I'm on this podcast <laughs> in general to, uh, to, to raise awareness of the impact of the fatherless epidemic. What is the danger? You use the term people-pleasing. What are some of the dangers of just having that type of psyche? Um, the, the danger in that is first and foremost, gang affiliation. Um, I'll, I'll say that when you have a mindset that you have to please or you have to gain validation, um, you quickly fall victim to, um, gangs because, you know, gangs are, 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 are representative of power and you don't have power coming from a single parent household. Um, your mother is not a, a beacon of power, um, but a gang is, you know, so you, you, you lean on that gang, that gang affiliation for that beacon of power, and thus you please every, you do anything to please the gang. You, you, there's no, there's no you asserting your will and saying, you know, this isn't the right way to go about mm -hmm. things. Maybe we shouldn't pick this person up or rob this grocery store. Nah, 
if the game members say you're going to do this, you're going to do that because that they offer you protection and they give you a sense of power. And those are the two things um, that your father would have given you that you would find in a game. So uh, people pleasing in, in, that, in that sense is, is detrimental to you because you know what happens to, to most gang members. They either end up in, in jail or they, they end up there. Right. Now, in regards to your own personal development, you deprive yourself at, at your own being. You don't get to figure out that maybe you are an engineer and, and you're a, a doctor or a lawyer inside of you. you. You don't get to nurture your gifts because you're so occupied with doing everything everybody else wants you to do that you don't get to tap into your own gifts and your own um, spiritual calling. So um, in that sense, too, you, you deprive society of yourself and your service and your servitude. So um, those, those two things, I would say, uh, um, are, 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 are negative impacts of people pleasing. And um, with, with that, how does one get on the right path? and not wind up there if there's not a role model um, in the household. And I know you kind of spoke about it a little bit, and, but um, I was hoping you can get a little bit deeper with that. Can you repeat the question? Sorry. Oh, I was just wondering, how does one overcome uh, think that so they don't fall into people-pleasing um, and fall into gangs or uh, other crime or whatnot? Good question. Um, and, you know, I, I touched on mentorship because oh, a good mentor would call you out when you are on a path that's not for you. Um, but mentorship is great. And if you're an individual listening right now and you and you, you feel like you're struggling with people pleasing, then you, you have to start to uh, work on self-awareness, um, journaling, um, maybe going to therapy if you can afford it. Um, some, some, some therapists actually have pro bonos where they do it for free. Um, but you, you are even going to church counseling groups. Uh, but... You have to start to nurture uh, 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 self-awareness and, and, and try and, and get an idea of who you are. Ask yourself that question, that question who am I? And, and just write down the things that, that comes to your mind when you ask the question, who am I? You know, um, pay attention to the way you interact with people. Do you assert yourself when somebody tells you something or asks you something? Or, or do you always find yourself saying yes all the time? Can you say, can you lay down, can you lay down your barriers or your boundaries when you, have, when you are um, uh, 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 with people? Um, you know, you need to, all this comes from, again, self-awareness, being aware of yourself. And, and once you start to realize that you can't do these things, then the next step is figuring out ways on how you can do it. And we are so blessed in this age where we have things like the internet and Google, where we can actually uh, um, um, do daily exercises, whether it's with um, a, a lover or someone that, that's very close to you, to help you to become more assertive and to lay those boundaries so that people won't, won't take advantage of you. you know? So um, those are things that you can do. Um, I would tell the person to start first with self-awareness. And uh, the next thing is also mentorship, uh, making sure that you are getting good counsel through this process. Uh, and this is probably a question I should have asked earlier, but I'll ask it now. How do you define a man? I, I mean, you know, I would love to say that I have... Uh, this one distinct definition. I don't. But what I would say is someone who is 
fulfilling his obligation to his family and his purpose to society. As a man, you are responsible for providing something to your family. It could be psychological well-being, physical well-being, emotional well-being, spiritual well-being. You have to pour something into your family. That is your that is your right. You are at essence a provider. You know, I so you have to be fulfilling that element and you also have to be rendering a service to your fellow human being. You know, whether it's through craftsmanship, whether it's through your profession, um, you, you you have to be making an obligation to your family, and you also have to be serving your community. And if you're doing that, and you're doing that effectively, you are, in essence, living out your manhood. Uh, you have a, um, you started an organization called Open Thought in your country. Can you uh, talk a little bit about that? Of course. So back in 2014, um, we, I was in a banking establishment and I was, you know, having a conversation with one of the tellers and there's a pastor standing uh, in line at the same time. And he was just blown away by the conversation I was having with the teller at that young age. You know, my maturity and the, and the way I was articulating myself and being well-mannered. And he, and he, and he, and he uh, commented on it, and I was kind of offended because I knew other males who behaved this way or who acted this way as well. And so his command prompted me to gather these young men um, and form an organization, a youth organization called Open Thought, where we actually demonstrate to the public that there are men out here who are highly uh, educated and who don't do the, the, I guess, who don't fit into the old model of manhood, who are um, ascribing for much more, who are uh, uh, very goal-orientated, you know. Um, so the organization started off with us, you know, coming together, meeting, um, doing a TV show called Open Thought where we talked about issues impacting us. And then we would do school tours, radio shows, summer camps. And now we are, are producing um, TV shows, youth TV shows, um, and radio shows um, geared towards um, keeping the voice of the young people alive. So Open Thought, um, up to this day, eight years in, continues to be uh, the voice for the young people in the Turks and Caicos Islands. As we talked about earlier, you have written a book called uh, It's Not a Man's World. Uh, and we've touched on it a little bit. Is there anything else you'd like to touch on about your book? Um, I just want your audience to know that, you know, a lot of times we have these big dreams and big goals and we wake up every day feeling like, you know, God isn't granting us these big dreams and these big goals. But we have to go back to the Our Father prayer. The gift good. That is in the Our Father's prayer. The gift those who trespass against us. That forgiveness is the key to unlocking your full potential. If I didn't write this book and forgive my father, I wouldn't be in the positions I'm in today. This, that book unlocked so many doors for me because I was able to reach a place of genuine forgiveness. And last year, for the first time in over 20 years, I met my father for the first time, and it was not any anger or animosity in my heart when I met my father. We hugged, we embraced, and we talked. Since last year, I mm -hmm. kid you not, it's like every month, I get an opportunity to speak somewhere, to go somewhere, to attend this event. It's like the doors just keep opening. These are things I used to 
prayed for years ago. Now they're just coming in. They're just flowing in. And I wouldn't have gotten to this state if I didn't forgive. I honestly believe that forgiveness just opened up my heart to everything. And I see the world much differently now, too. I have so much empathy and compassion for people. Because now I understand that people behave the way they do, not because of you, it's because of what they've been through in the environment they've been exposed to. And I hold that, and I hold that view, and it allows me to have more compassion for the, for the people I'm around and, and humanity, and um, it helps me a lot in my professional life, and it helps me to navigate people more, and I wouldn't have gotten to this state if it wasn't for that book, which taught me how to forgive my father. Okay, so for those out there who have dreams and aspirations, you have to ask yourself, what are you holding on to inside your heart that's stopping you? What memory? What, what, what pain? And you have to let that go. And once you let that go, you will grow. You have to let it grow. You have to let it go to grow. You have to let it go to grow, and I'll say it again. Mm-hmm. You have to let it go to grow. So important. Yeah, I've uh, had a relationship with a young man. This is before my uh, son was born, and his father had walked out of his life, and I tried to um, be a father to him, um, give him everything he was hoping for and hearing you speak now I understand why it didn't work and it didn't work because I wasn't what he wanted he wanted his father and because he couldn't have his father he became um, he he never got over it and he became angry and um, resentful and uh, yeah, and he actually became a people pleaser, as you said, and fell into the wrong crowd and this, that, and the other. You, you've actually helped me today understand why, which I have struggled with, why that relationship didn't work. And talking with you now, especially the last five, ten minutes, has really gotten me to understand why that didn't happen. You know, because I provided for him the same way that I provided for my son. Um, uh, took him to sports, uh, helped him with pets, tried to guide him through school, and it just never connected. So so you've given me some um, thought today, and I appreciated that. Uh, no co- problem, man. Yeah. A couple of more questions. Um, do you yourself look forward to becoming a father someday? I, I I think about it every day, JB, man. I, I know I, I'll be honest with you in the audience. I, I, I probably will, I'm probably going to make a lot of mistakes because I didn't have that model. But I, I'm going to stick to it with them. I'm always going to be there for them. I might not be the perfect dad, but I'll be the dad that's there and listening. So... I, I look forward to it every day now. One day, I, I can't wait. Um, whatever God blesses me with, you know, I really can't wait. Um, it's, it's, this journey has been beautiful, and I think the icing on the cake for me is, is having a family of my own and, and, um, and even helping if they have friends, um, helping their friends through know, things that I went so, for sure, I, I, I think about it every day, and I can't wait to be a father. I really can't wait. Yeah, this is, you know, I'm going to be honest with you. I didn't know what to expect this morning with this topic, but it has truly been an eye-opener. And in some ways, like I just was just talking about, help explain some things in my life, but also made me feel, feel whole because of the relation, father relationships I do have in my life. So, um, 
Indeed. I want want to appreciate. Uh, I want to. Well, I appreciate you for bringing this to me today. Um, any final advice you have for our listeners? Let it let it go to grow. My advice. Let it go to grow. Your pain or whatever you went through was not to limit you. It was not to put you in this box. It was not to keep you in this repetition of always thinking about it. It was to bring you closer to your humanity and to the people around you so that you can interact with them with more compassion and love and empathy. That's that's what it was for. It was not for you to hold on to and hold any grudge in your heart. Towards it, that that was not what God intended. That was not the intention of your trauma. The trauma was for you to look outside at other people and use it to heal others. And by healing others, you also heal yourself in that process. You dive deeper into your healing. So let it go to grow. It's my it's my closing word. Well, I won't. I have several educators in my life, uh, relatives and friends. I, after hearing this, I won't be surprised if they <laughs> uh, don't use this as a tool to maybe reach a few young men that they work with. Also, um, again, I want to thank you for your wisdom. Your this goes to the old saying that uh, you're always learning. No matter what age you are, uh, I'm 60, and I can tell by your photos you're still a pretty young uh, young man. Uh, but I learned from you today, so I really appreciate that. Thank you so much, JB. And God bless you for this podcast and for what you're doing, uh, raising awareness about this issue that continues to plague Afro communities globally. This is this. You, Every time we hear one of these episodes, we are we are one step closer to winning the fight. So I, I commend you for being a soldier in, in this fight towards us tackling the fatherless epidemic. Thank you so much, Susan. Yeah. This has been LT Born. The book is it's a it's not a man's world. How can they get your book and how can they get in touch with you? Um, you can find my book on Amazon. You just have to type in It's Not a Man's World by L.T. Born, and it will pop up. Um, I am on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. My handle is I am L.T. Born, and Born is spelled B-O-U-R-N-E. B-O-U-R-N-E. I am L.T. Born is how you can contact me. Well, like I said, it's been a informational and fulfilling hour for me, and I just wanted to thank you for that. And um, uh, like I said, came into this uh, podcast with a lot of apprehension, and I'm stepping out with a lot of fulfillment. So thanks a lot. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much, Jason. You yeah. guys take care, man. You take care, too. All right. When you need someone to listen a lawyer you know and trust. Congratulations to all the Minnesota businesses that scraped through the last year. It sure hasn't been easy, but we've done it together. And while we certainly need to move forward, it's good to reflect on what we've been through and the many losses. Here at Bradshaw and Bryant, we held a lot of Zoom meetings, increased our phone calls, and have done our best to keep up with all the changes while continuing to provide quality work. We'd like to thank everyone that turned to us with their personal injury and criminal needs as well as the courtrooms for bringing the community back together to serve justice. We look forward to being part of Minnesota's growth and success for many years to come. I'm Mike Bryant from Bradshaw and Bryant. I hope you're never injured in a collision, but if you are, don't sign anything till you've talked to us. Find Bradshaw and Bryant, personal injury attorneys at minnesotapersonalinjury.com. Seeking justice for the injured, Bradshaw and Bryant.
Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the JB Low Tech Podcast. Just want to put a bow on today's show. <clears throat> Excuse me. I want to thank L.T. Bourne. Uh, his book, It's Not a Man's World, should be an interesting read. And also him, like I said, being a young person actually taught me something today. As we wrap up today's show, just want to remind people they can listen on many different outlets like Apple Podcasts, Podbean, Outcasts, from what I understand, Google Podcasts, and many others. Hopefully you enjoyed this last summer holiday weekend and you continue to uh, listen to the JV's Low Tech Podcasts. And also maybe join my Facebook group, the JB's Low Tech Podcast uh, Facebook group. And also you can reach me at uh, jb780 at comcast.net with any questions or suggestions for the podcast. And that's J-A-Y-B-E-E, two E's, 780 at comcast.net. JB780 at Comcast.net. Thanks again for listening. Until next time, this is the JB's Low Tech Podcast. JB is my name, and f***ing up motherfuckers is my game. Right on. Negro, black, African American, black, black, black. Django, JB. Damn, Dolomite. Great God in heaven, you know. Our great Negro sex machine.